thank you for joining us today on our Eastside Church podcast. Today, Stephen Vula will bring our message. Let's listen in. Well, Lord, we thank you for your promises this morning. Thank you for your word brought by so many people through Ashley, talking about our identity, being in you, Father. Through JP, Father God, the words that you sang through him, Father, it doesn't matter what happens as long as your kingdom moves forward. I know I'm taken care of as long as your kingdom advances, Father God. Through Michael, Father God, consistency, holding true to your promises, understanding what you said and trusting that you will honor your word and what you've said because you are Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. You always have been, you always will be, you've stayed the same, you've never changed. And we can trust that. Every word that comes out of your mouth is a promise and we hold on to it, Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? (laughs) Uh, My name is Stephen Vulo. Um, I am here. And I'm trying to think of the best way to introduce myself for those that don't know me. Um, I moved up to Charlotte uh, in 2001 with the team that helped uh, plant Eastside Church here. And so um, been here for a while. And, oh, I got, there's lots of fingers coming at me from the back. There we go. Is that better? Not, not, not the wrong finger. This finger. This finger. Okay. <laughs> that was... It'd be weird if I was getting that finger from the back, like, all right, I'll sit down. <laughs> is that better, guys? Okay, cool. So my name is Stephen Vulo. Um, I've been here at Eastside for 20 years now, um, helped plant this, and there's been some other folks that have been here a long time, too. Chris Strelowski, I see you, brother, um, and it, it's, it's been awesome. Uh, I have worked in Mexico for four years at one point as a missionary, and, you know, I, I'm not a pastor or anything like that. I am, a, I am currently an engineer. I work for Duke Energy. Um, I don't have the sexiest resume or anything like that or <laughs> the best credentials to provide to you to explain why I'm qualified to be up here. But w- one thing I, I can tell you is I've, I've met the Lord. And um, so it's with that that I come and I want to talk to you today. Okay, I, I, I met him the first time when I was like eight or t- 10 years old. Um, that was my first fig tree moment. <laughs> Call it a fig tree moment. Johnny, thank you for that, brother. That was, that, I, I love that terminology. Fig tree moment refers to John chapter one where Nathaniel, uh, Philip goes to get Nathaniel and, and he says, hey, there's this dude. He's the, he, you know, you, you gotta come see him. He's the one who the Old Testament prophesied about and and, he, and he's, he comes out of Bethlehem, and Nathaniel's like, what good can come out of Bethlehem? And he goes, and Jesus, when Nathaniel's approaching, he speaks to Nathaniel and basically gives a, a word of wisdom. He speaks about, he knew where Nathaniel was and talks about a scenario he had been in that he saw him under the fig tree even before Philip came to get him. And at that moment, Nathaniel knew that he was the Christ. He was the Messiah. He was God. And from that moment on, Nathaniel followed Christ. So when I say fig tree moment, that's what I'm referring to, but I don't take credit for that. I got that from a friend. Um, but that was my first fig tree moment, eight, nine, ten years old, somewhere in there, where the word of God stepped in and did a miracle for me that I needed in my life. And then I had another 
Uh, you, you know, you have a fig tree moment, and that's awesome, and that grounds who you are, and in that moment, everything pivots, uh, but then they don't stop, right? You keep seeing the Lord show up. You keep seeing him, and seeing him be faithful. You keep seeing him show himself strong, and I had another one when I was 14, and I was doing missions work down in Mexico, just a little trip, and who knows how much good we were actually doing. I don't know. I don't know if I actually helped anybody during that week I was down there. I'd like to think I did, but I know I encountered the Holy Spirit when I was down there, and I had another fig tree moment. I met God um, out there in that field, and from that, that turned it again, and there was another leap forward where I knew I was never going to be the same, and I could stand here and I could testify about fig tree moment after fig tree moment, moment after moment when I saw the Lord show up and be faithful, when I experienced his goodness, when I saw him. Now, does that mean that there wasn't trial? Does that mean that there wasn't a lot of suffering or pain or heartache or heartbreak throughout all that? No, of course not. That's silly. We're humans and we live in a fallen world. And you you, you know what? (laughs) He has equipped us and empowered us to live and be successful in this fallen world. He's not going to take it all away, but he's equipped us to overcome because he's had the victory, right? And so I'm talking about the name of God this morning, Jehovah Nisi. That means the Lord, our banner, right? Maybe you don't know that, and that's fine, right? Because it's weird. Like, what are these different names of God? There's Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Sid Canoe. I used to think that was the Lord who sits in his canoe, but it's not. (laughs) I'm pretty sure Jehovah Sid Canoe is like God our righteousness, I think. And Jehovah Makadesh and El Shaddai and El Roy and all these things. It's like, I didn't take Hebrew. I don't know what you're talking about. So... I picked, El, I picked Jehovah Nisi because I thought it was going to be the easiest one because <laughs> Jehovah Nisi means the Lord our banner and the Lord our banner is only mentioned one time in scripture. And I was like, sweet, one time. Brandon here, he had El Shaddai, right? It's like talking to all the forefathers of the faith. Everybody had an El Shaddai moment with, uh, with the Lord and then, you know, Job uses it, you know, 15 million times, he said, or something. And uh, he's just constantly talking about Shad and El Shaddai and all of our forefathers having this encounter. And I was like, I got one. I got, like, this incident in Exodus. So this is going to be easy. I'll take Jehovah Nisi. We'll wrap it up. Everybody gets lunch early. Amen? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> but <laughs> it wasn't so easy when I started digging in. Turns out having only one instance makes it a little more difficult to try to suss out where you're going with it. So I'm going to start with kind of where Brandon had touched on some stuff in the Old Testament. And you guys don't have to turn there. I didn't give you this verse or anything, Lee. But I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 15. When God was about to have his covenant with Abraham, okay? And I don't know if you remember this from last week or not, but Brandon went into some detail talking about this covenant where God himself came down and entered into covenant with Abraham, all right? Now, before he actually, they split the animals open, laid them out on the ground, and what's, what's about to happen is God himself is about to show up, right? The, a theophany. Theophany just means Christ himself showing up prior to his earthly birth, but he's showing up in the Old Testament here. And Christ shows up and he takes the torch and he walks through both for Abraham's side of the covenant and for God's side of the covenant. And Brandon preached a ton on that and it's good, but I'm gonna go to one particular part of Genesis chapter 15. 
And this will be y'all's time to get a break is when I'm flipping around in scripture because I don't have one of those cool Bibles with the little markers on the side where it shows you all the books. And so I got to flip around. But it's in Genesis 15, verses um, 11, 12, and 13, and 14. And it says, And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years and also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. So I'm gonna stop right there. God's calling a shot, right? But he's also given a warning. He tells Abram this and right after this, he goes on to say, but Abram, here's what's gonna happen with you. You know, I'm gonna bless you. You're going to be good. But before that, it says horror and great darkness came upon Abram. And basically, God gave Abram a vision of what was going to be happening, of 400 years of slavery in Egypt and all the horror that comes along with that. And terror and great darkness. Now, he's, in, he's having a moment with the Lord here, and he's overwhelmed by terror and darkness. But the Lord makes a promise after that, and he says, but they're going to come out of that land with great possessions, and I'm going to judge Egypt, Right? So that's setting the stage for where I want to go, which is to Exodus chapter 17. Because where I'm going to pick it up and where we see the first mention of Jehovah Nissi is right after they get out of Israel, okay? They come through the Red Sea and then we have a battle that takes place. So let's go to God, God here, he prophesies. We see God, God's not surprised by the crap that we go through, right? God's not surprised when we have struggles and we go through stuff and when the enemy comes against us, when darkness, right, would want to press in upon us and would want to steal everything that we have, want to steal our joy, want to steal our possessions, would want to rob us of our promises, right? That's what the enemy desires to do. God understands what's going to happen. He's sitting here talking to Abram and he tells him, this is what's going to happen, okay? But I'm going to take care of it. So we get a promise, we get this prophecy here when he's dealing with Abram. Now we're going to cut forward to Exodus 17. They get out of Egypt, right? They've got all the possessions, They've got, they're coming out with great wealth and they come through and, uh, and um, Lee, I'm gonna actually read a little bit from the beginning of Exodus 17 before I jump to the, the part that we're gonna look at. And it says, let's see, where are we gonna pick it up? Now, all right, laying a little bit more groundwork, right? They're coming out, the point where chapter 17 picks up is the Israelites are thirsty and they're grumbling and they're complaining and God tells Abram, or God, not Abram, we just talked about Abram, he tells Moses, he says, take the staff, take the stick that you used to, to turn the Nile into blood, right? And he says, I want you to go up on this rock, I want you to strike the rock and water's gonna come out of the rock. So this is happening in the first part of chapter 17. He takes the stick Right? What is, what is the stick here? <laughs> what, what, is he, what is it representing? What could we think that it represents here? It's, it's God's power, God's promise, right? We see him, he takes the stick, he strikes the rock, water comes forward. He tells him to do this, take some elders, go before the people, strike the rock, water comes. Now we're gonna pick up in verse eight of chapter 17. It says, now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. 
I think that's how you pronounce that. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side, the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, the Lord is my banner. For he said, because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Now, I know where I'm going with this, so that's why I'm getting choked up already. <laughs> but the, we see this is the one time, right? He goes out and they have war with Amalek. And they get done. And Moses said, we're going to build an altar and we're going to call it the Lord is my banner. What, what, let's just talk about banners in general. Like, what is... <laughs> What does a banner signify, right? Like, what, is, what does banner mean? When we think about in terms of nations or battles or what, what's the, what is a banner? A banner is indicating, like, who, who, we, who we fight for, right? It, it, it's, it's a symbol of identity, right? Like, if, if you're going out, like, any, any soldiers, veterans or anything in here, right, you've got an American flag on your, on your clothing. You, you fly it over your ship. It's painted probably on your airplane, right? Right behind like the, the pinup girl on the World War II bombers or something, right? Like <laughs> that's, this is, right? This is the identity, it, but, it, but that flag signifies identity, right? Like that's who, we, that's who we identify with. The people of Israel are coming out of 400 years of slavery. They don't, we we get on them all the time, right? It's easy to stand here and judge their, their stubbornness, their hard-headedness. But there are people that have no identity. They don't know who they are. And for 400 years, they've been subjected to cruelty, to pain, to suffering, to death. They don't, they don't have a nation. They don't have an identity. They've, now, the Lord, he's, he's never departed from them, but they didn't have anything that they could stand under, right? Can you pull up the Deuteronomy verse? Deuteronomy 25 talks about this battle with Amalek a little bit. That's why we're going there. It's Deuteronomy 25, 17 to 19. says, remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt, how he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks, all the stragglers at your rear, when you were tired and weary and he did not fear God, 
Therefore it shall be when the Lord your God has given you rest from your enemies all around in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance that you will blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. You shall not forget. See, it gives a little more insight into what exactly happened. Amalek snuck up on the backside where all the, the weaker people in Israel were and they started attacking. And it's easy to read it the way Moses did, like, okay, there's, a, there's, there's this front of Amalekites and Joshua, I want you to get some guys and you're gonna go meet them in battle. But what was really happening was word gets to the front of the camp that the Amalekites are sitting here picking off Israelites and this people that they just get out of this, right? They come through the Red Sea. They have this amazing moment. They're seeing the Lord provide water at this location. They see him show up. They see his faithfulness. But, I mean, maybe y'all are better than I am, but it, it takes a while, right, to sink in. It took, it took him 40 years is how long it ended up taking him to really understand and believe that God was who he said he was and that that power wasn't just gonna up and be gone right? And so God here, but what we see happening is God gets angry and God, he sends Joshua. So the word gets up to the front of the camp. Moses sends Joshua with some men to the back and they have battle with the Amalekites. And as long as Moses has his hands in the air, they're winning. And when he drops his hands, they're losing. Now I'm not going to get into all that, but I mean, it's I don't know, it's what happened, you know. <laughs> so keep your hands up in the Aaron and her. They've got lots of great messages and preached all about the, you know, supporting of, you know, of Moses in that moment and, and God prevailing. But as long as God was exalted up there by Moses, right, it's, there's an easy correlation to draw there. As long as God is being exalted, the people of Israel are winning against the Amalekites. So they, they win and what does God do here? And what does Moses call this place of remembrance, this altar? He calls it, the Lord is our banner. God is, God is establishing the Israelites with his identity. He's giving them identity. He's, he's not just giving them identity, but he's establishing their identity in him, in victory, right? It's not enough that we just have identity, but God wants our identity, everything that we be, everything that we fight under, needs to be aligned with him, right? Like he establishes identity, he's giving it to him, he's establishing a nationhood here for Israel and he's establishing it in him. The Lord is my banner. And what is the promise that comes along with it? That I will blot out the memory of Amalek from the earth. He, he doesn't forget. And his promise to hold true right? He, he's, he's going to hold true to his promise. See, we, we have lots of, there's lots of stuff that we struggle with, right? We have lots of fights that we, that we fight internally, externally. It could be with family. It could be with ourselves. It could be with outside forces, right? But as long as we're finding our identity in him, as long as we are waving his banner, right? He's going to be faithful to blot out our enemy, but we have to trust God to do that, right? Like what, the, the, the key is, are we aligning ourselves with him? What happens when Joshua goes into Canaan, when he finally crosses the Jordan River, the Jordan dries up, and this is 40 years later after this point, and Joshua goes in, and, and there's not Amalekites here, but we, we get kind of this same idea. Joshua comes in and they're getting ready to head to Jericho, 
And Joshua wakes up one night and there's the angel of the Lord. And this is Jesus again showing up in the Old Testament. And hey, and, and Joshua goes, hey, whose side are you on? And the angel's like, side? Have you lost your mind? Like, I'm here representing the, the, the army of the, of the living God, right? And so take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. <laughs> and the whole point is, here Joshua goes in and he sees a warrior and he's wanting to check whose side the warrior is on. And who do, what does Jesus remind him? He says, I'm not on your side. You're, you can be on my side, right? And there's a, there's a word in there for us, right? <laughs> I mean, and, and it's not a new word. Like, I'm not bringing, like, fresh fire, fresh wind here. Like, the, half the people in this pulpit over the last six months have talked about this, right? Like, we... <laughs> We need to be careful who we choose to identify ourselves with. We need to be careful what flags that we fly and what we, how we choose to identify ourselves, the words that we speak, the things that we say. Because let me, if, if the flag that you're using to identify your posture and your position is making you strange bedfellows with somebody that you ought not be, you should reconsider the flag that you're, that you're marching under. Okay? And that's, that's for everybody. <laughs> okay? Because God doesn't ask you to sleep with horse. All right? He, he, he never has, he never will. It, <laughs> and I'm not talking about people here, guys. Okay? I'm talking about ideas. I'm talking about actions. Right? And if you're, if you're aligning yourself and marching toe-to-toe with people that represent things that aren't looking like God... I'm just saying you might want to reconsider what flag you've got flying over your camp. Because there's only one flag that leads to victory. And that's his. Okay? Y'all want to know about some of the other times the Amalekites show up? You want to know what happens to the Amalekites? The enemies of God? I mean, it's not mysterious here. God God destroys them. Right? Over, Over and over again, the enemies of God are destroyed in Scripture. Right? He made a promise there. And not only did he make a promise, I love the part of the verse in Exodus chapter 17 where he says, he says, then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua. When Joshua gets back from the battle, I want you to tell him this same thing because God understands that it's gonna be Joshua taking the Israelites into the promised land, right? He says, remember this. Like, you knew this, you know this, you've experienced me, Joshua's walking through this process of becoming who I want him to be. Now I want you, when he gets back, tell him this too, that I am Jehovah Nissi, right? And that I will blot out the memory of Amalek. And what is he doing? He's, in, he's already, 40 years before he even has reason to, he's building up Joshua. He's preparing him for what's gonna come, right? We, we <laughs> and how is he preparing him? He's reminding him of the promise and the promise is tied to our identity in him. It's tied to who God is. He's saying, you, you have an identity now. It's me. You march under me. You walk under me. You're, you're Israelites, but I am your God and you will be my people. Right? Do what I said to do. All these promises of yours, if you do what I tell you to do. Right? <laughs> and then you don't have to worry. Because one of the biggest things that I want to get to today is talking about fear responses, right? We have lots of, lots of uh, ways of responding to fear. 
There's only really one right way, though, right? <laughs> and that's who is, who is my God, right? What has God done before? Okay, here's a new situation. Here's a new thing that's coming against me. Here's a new thing that's challenging me, okay? All right, well, I can, I can look and find out what this blog says about that. Or I can check my Instagram feed and see what other thinkers are saying about this situation I'm facing. Or I can remember what God did. And then remember what God's doing and remember what he promised he would do. Right? Like, (laughs) it's, it's not complicated. It's really not. I mean, we get all twisted and get our panties in a bunch about all kind of stuff. But God makes it pretty straightforward. Right? Like, here's what I did. And here's what I'm going to do, and everything in between. You just stick with me. Stick with me, kid, okay? Because when Amalek shows up in, for Saul in, uh, it, it, there in 1 Samuel, I think it's 14, you know, the, and, this, and it's interesting what happens because he sends, he sends, you know, God tells Saul, go, and I want you to utterly destroy, right? And this is, you know, there's lots of times we have questions about why does God in the Old Testament operate the way that he does? Why did, you know, God's keeping a promise here. When he tells Saul, there's a reason he tells Saul, I want you to kill every living thing from the Amalekite camp. I want you to destroy every person, every animal, kill all of them. That's why God at that moment took away the anointing from Saul. When he, when he comes back and they had taken fattened calf and they had, and he had let King Agag live, and he comes back and he tells Samuel, and that's when Samuel was like, you're done. God says, you're done. You, you couldn't even obey in this. Obedience is better than sacrifice, is what he tells him in 1 Samuel 15. Because what was Saul doing? He wasn't working with the Lord to keep the, Lord, the promise that God had made hundreds of years before. God made a promise, and Saul was gonna make a liar out of God. You think God was going to let that happen? No. Because God promised that the enemies of God were going to be destroyed, right? So, (laughs) and if you read that passage, I encourage you to do so. There's lots of things I would encourage you to come back to after this and read. But it talks about how King Agag is brought forward and Saul's like, and King Agag is like smiling, right? And the way it describes it is pretty interesting. And, uh, and Samuel's like, bring Agag to me. And it literally says Samuel chopped Agag to pieces. He was the king of the Amalekite army. Um, well, the king of the Amalekites, period. And he chopped up. Samuel completed what Saul wouldn't do, right? And he, he made sure that what God wanted to happen, happened. So God took care of the Amalekites then, Right? Now, if you fast forward a thousand years from the time that Moses receives this word about Jehovah Nissi, when, he, when God establishes himself and he says, I am the Lord, your banner. I will, my identity is what you will fall under. I am your victory, right? And I will blot out the memory of Amalek. A thousand years after that, you have the story of Esther, Are you all familiar with the story of Esther? Really quick, you have the Jewish diaspora, right? Diaspora is just a fancy word for all the Jews that aren't in Israel anymore. They're all over the place throughout the kingdom. And you have King Ahasuerus, Ahasuerus, Ahusu, I don't know how to pronounce that. Any any ideas? No, okay. Ahasuerus there, this is all in Esther. 
And the whole story of Esther is how Haman comes and he wants to destroy the Israelites, right? Like, or, or he wants to destroy the Jews. He's mad at Mordecai, Mordecai's a Jew. And what it all boils down to is Haman, who is here in the king's court and he has the king's ear. He fi- you find that Mordecai is getting favor with the king, but Haman hates Mordecai, he hates the Jews. And basically he creates this law where all the Jews are gonna be exterminated. There's gonna be mass genocide throughout the entire Persian or Syrian or whichever one it was at that point, uh, under that entire kingdom, all the Jews are gonna be killed. And if you kill a Jew, you get all their stuff too. It's, that, that's like the, the deal with this law. Well, God made a promise. Haman, it says Haman was an Agagite, right? A descendant of King Agag, who's an Amalekite. So, does God keep his promises? Did he bring deliverance? So even when this one descendant of this one king, a remnant of Amalek, set it in his mind to destroy the Jews, and it was about to happen, was God faithful? Did God show up? Did God show himself strong? Was he Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner? Did he show up and say, I am your victory? Amen. Right? It wasn't, it wasn't enough. Nobody could stand up <laughs> to God. A thousand years after God made the promise, he remembered the promise, right? That's who our God is. My prayer for all of us is that we'll have that moment. We'll have that encounter with God that you'll have something that you can remember when the fear starts to creep up. Because in this world today, fear is the, is, is the, is the modus operandi, right? That's, that's how things operate. We're gonna play on fear. All kinds of people make decisions based on fear. And I'm not gonna start going into some of them because it's, it, it, you know what the decisions are that you're making that are based on fear. I know what the ones that I make are that are based on fear. Is that a good thing to, is that a good posture to operate from? To make decisions based on fear. And fear shows up in all kinds of different ways. It shows up as concern, right? It shows up as, yeah, I don't, I think this is, I, I just think this is gonna be a better whatever. Like, I, I'm just not sure that they're gonna get the best here, right? Lots of things can show up as, uh, can, fear can manifest itself in a lot of different ways. I was, <laughs> I, one of the things that, that got me thinking a lot about this is I was talking to, and this is not me getting political here, but I was talking to a family member who was saying like, don't, don't you, aren't, aren't you concerned for your, for your kids? I got three little boys. So aren't you concerned for the, the world that your kids are growing up in with all the stuff that's happening and just the, the you know, just the ab- abandonment of God that you see in so many areas? Like, aren't you at least, you know, aren't you a little bit concerned about it? They didn't use the word worried. They said, I'm not telling, they even said this, like, I'm not saying you should be worried, but aren't you just concerned about the, the if you look around, you look at the condition of our world, look at the situation that, you, that, that, that we're in. Look at what, what happened here and what happened here and, you know, reading off a couple headlines on different things. Like, aren't you concerned about that? Alex, am I concerned? I'm not. <laughs> I can't bring myself to, I can't work myself up into being concerned about something. I just can't. I'm sorry. Like, I, and, and what I told this family member of mine is like, 
maybe things will get worse, maybe things will get better, and if the Lord tells me to do something in between now and then, I'll do it. But I, I'm sorry, everything that you talked about, I don't see how that stacks up against an immutable God. Yeah. Like, do we really think yes. that like God can't like step in and do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, however he wants to do it? Like, I, I will be obedient. If the Lord asks me to do something, I'll do it. But if you're asking me to get worked up and get whipped up and start dropping lines and, and yelling and getting into a frenzy or, or even just express concern about something, I can't manifest that. Right. I, I can't, I'm, because I met God, right? And, and, and I understand that he made a promise and his promise is gonna be true forever and ever and ever. And his promise is gonna be more true than whatever crap you read on Instagram. His promise is gonna be more true than whatever happened in China last week. Like his pro- and, and, and he will bring justice. He's going to establish his truth. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not at all speaking against the, different people have different ways of of seeing things and understanding things, and God blesses people with different gifts to enact change in different fields, but if the root, if what's motivating your behavior and what you're wanting to see happen and the change that you're wanting to see, if what's motivating that is fear of, uh, uh, of trying to make sure that you hold on to something or that some sort of semblance of, 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 of your interpretation of God is held onto, then let, let it go because the fear, if fear is what's motivating you, then, then you need to check yourself, right? Like God never asked us to operate from a place of fear. He just said, here I am, trust me. It doesn't mean bad things aren't gonna happen, but I, I have always been, I always will be, okay? So just trust me and do what I tell you to do, right? Like sometimes we need to get the message from God Right? Sometimes we need to open our ears, close our mouths, and when God says, just shut up and listen, we need to shut up and listen. Okay? <laughs> I mean, I, I get that from God a lot, shut, shut up and listen. And I'm not kidding either. I mean, maybe he's a little bit more gentle, but I get the shut up and listen all the time. Right? Just shh, shh. Every time I have something I want to speak about, I say I have something I want to speak. I never want to speak, just so you all know. Um, I only come up here when Alex asks me to. Um, <laughs> but I, I always come before the Lord, and, and, and if it's something that I'm really feeling, right, like, oh, I, I want to talk about, this. like, this is, then I, I, I can almost be guaranteed that, like, that's not what the Lord has to say, <laughs> right? Like, this isn't what... That's not the word of the Lord for me to bring. You know why? Because when I get in my feelings about something and I get passionate about something, then all of a sudden, like my opinion, my thoughts, all this stuff start clouding it. And all of a sudden, you're gonna get some Stephen in there. I don't want y'all to get any of Stephen this morning. I want y'all to hear what the word of the Lord is. Okay, because I understand how much I can get in the way and I can confuse it. And my opinions and how smart I think I am about all this and all that, that's just gonna get in the way and it's gonna cloud the fact that God has made some really basic, simple, underlying principles for us to live by, okay? He is Alpha and Omega, okay? Like Xi Jinping or whatever that dude's name is in China, like he was not around. I think that's his name, right? Someone help me. I'm I'm not making fun. The... When God established the heavens, was he born yet? So he's sitting there, he's making things, he's like, oh God, Xi Jinping's coming. What are we gonna do? The Chinese, the red invasion, what's gonna happen? What? You know what God's saying? He's like, and I'm gonna, I have a church over in China that I'm gonna pour my spirit out on. We gotta start seeing things the way God sees them. 
We keep trying to pray against people. That's the most retarded thing I've ever, sorry, I can't, shouldn't say that. <laughs> That's, stop praying against people. Start praying for people, okay? Start praying for, like, we, we're wasting so much time getting worked up about stuff that we got people dying all over the world for their faith, and we can't even bother to utter their names from our lips because we're too busy cursing other people? What are we doing? Who is God? Who is like our God? Because whatever God's telling you to like curse or whatever, and, 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 help, and, and he's saying, yes, you're afraid. Run from that place. Find that fear and then explode and change the world from fear. Whatever God that is, I'll put my God against that God any day. I've seen what my God can do. I haven't seen what that God does. I've seen, you know what I've seen that God do? I've seen that God drive people into basements and hide and cower and be afraid. My God says, stand up. Y'all remember what I said back in October about what I felt the Lord was saying for the church? Is that I'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies, right? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna walk afraid. This, we have this little book called Found that we, that we read sometimes to the boys and when it's like, we don't wanna bust out the full Bible, it's this Bible story that's all based on Psalm 23. And one of the, one of the verses in there, when I walk through dark, scary, lonely places, and it's this little sheep standing in the thunderstorm, and it's all dark, I won't be afraid. Because my shepherd, he knows where I am. Good Lord, fear can cause some stupid responses can it? <laughs> we've all, you know what? We haven't even all seen it. We've all walked it. We've all been that, right? <laughs> if, if, you, if you've ever done something stupid because you were afraid, raise your hand. I'll raise two, right? <laughs> this is not a message meant to condemn. This is a message meant to compel, right? Compel you to walk out your faith in the way God calls you to walk out your faith. Who is like our God? Who? The God who, when he talked to Abraham, he called a shot with what was going to happen, with the suffering that was going to come. And then hundreds of years later, the Amalekites show up. God is still God. They walked out of there with provision. And then the Amalek shows up and God says, okay, you've set yourself, yourself up as an enemy against me. I will blot your name out from the very, from very existence. And a thousand years after that, when Amalek tried to wipe out the Jewish people, God remembered his promise. The God who saved you, right? I don't know, I don't know what your story is, but the God who brought you into salvation is the same God that will bring you through whatever you're walking through today, right? Because there's people, y'all are walking through all kinds of stuff. All kind of difficulty. Some of it self-induced. Some of it external. I don't care. I don't care where your difficulty is coming from. God is going to be God. He's going to be faithful. Okay? I promise you. I remember that I had a pastor growing up. He used to say, and I don't know how I would make this equivalent promise, but he used to say, if you'll tithe for 90 days, and if your situation isn't better at the end, I'll refund all your tithe. I don't know how to equate that or give you an equivalent promise, 
But if you'll trust God and you'll walk it out, I promise you, God is gonna show up. You're gonna see God manifest himself because his name is Jehovah Nissi. He's the Lord, our banner. We can rally to him. And in your darkest moment, his name is still Jehovah Nissi. And when Amalek shows up and he tries to rob you of everything that you have, when he tries to steal, kill, and destroy, God's name is still Jehovah Nissi. And he's not afraid. He doesn't waver. He's not gonna turn. He's not looking at Amalek afraid like that. And I've mentioned, I think every time I preach, I mention this thing. Y'all seen that, uh, that uh, picture of like Jesus arm wrestling the devil? Have y'all seen that thing that goes around sometimes? Man, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. As if Jesus would have to like, like be in some sort of contest and it would be like, maybe he's gonna, I don't know what's gonna happen. Like, right? Like all it takes is a word from his mouth and just, he melts. <laughs> that we're not talking about equivalent power structures here. We're talking about the creator of the universe and a created being, right? It makes about as much sense as you being afraid of your infant child right? Like it's <laughs> even less though, right? I, I guess I was afraid of my infant kids quite a bit, <laughs> but it was, I was pretty terrified, honestly. <laughs> but <laughs> most of the, bad example. Okay. <laughs> but God is faithful. Amen? Amen. He always will be. He always has been. And JP's going to sing. They're going to sing a song. Look at, I started this message talking about my fig tree moment and then all of them that happened from there. And if you haven't had a fig tree moment, my prayer for you today is that you'll encounter God because you can't know who Jehovah Nisi is. You can't understand what your identity in him needs to be if you haven't met him. This word will reveal his character and his nature and all these things about him. But if you haven't met him, this word isn't gonna pop to life. You meet him, all this stuff, if everything I've said hasn't made sense, when you meet God, when you encounter him, it starts to make sense because once you encounter him, you can't turn back. You understand what it is to encounter the living God. You understand his power. So that's my prayer for you today. And while we worship, if you haven't had that, that's an okay thing to ask. That's an okay thing for you to pray. You say, God, I've heard about you all my life, but I, I don't think I've ever met you. I don't know that I've ever had that encounter that says I, I can walk away and I know I'll never be the same. And if you haven't had that, just pray and ask. And if you don't get it this morning, keep praying and keep asking. God's faithful in that place. So start this morning. Start while we're worshiping. Start while we're praising. But don't relent. If you hear hope here, if, you, if you're looking for that, Jesus is the only hope. You ask him, say, I'll follow you. But if you need that encounter too, just keep praying for that. God, fill me up. God, I need to meet you. I need that encounter with you that I can never turn away from so that I'll always know who you are, so that I'll always remember that fear has no place. Father, I thank you this morning. I pray that every single person would have that fig tree moment, Father God, if they haven't already, that place where they can encounter you, know the power of the living God, that you don't change, that you are the same. You are the immutable God. No construction of men, no thought, no principality of any other world or darkness can raise itself up against you. 
You are God Almighty. And I pray that every person here would walk in experience with you, Father God. I pray that we would all submit to you, that you would be Lord and Savior, and that we would have an encounter with, the, with you, the living God, the one true God. Be with us this morning, Father. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today for our podcast. Eastside Church exists to help people encounter Jesus, be equipped to grow and engage their community. For more information, please go to our website at eastsidechurch.co.